0: All right, hey everybody. We are back with another edition of KC Music Talk. My guest today is a teacher and saxophone player here in Kansas City, uh, Doug Talley. How's it
1: going? Oh, I'm pleased to be here. How about you? I'm
0: doing really good, thanks, man. Um, I can't remember, oh no, I know exactly where I met you. It was at KC Music Camp, or no, what what was it called? It was
1: the Jazz Camp at KCK Community College. Yeah,
0: that's right. And uh, so they, so you guys there, we got to talk to kind of some of the other the other uh teachers there so so what it was rod fleeman everett yes uh I would have been there who else was there mike ning
1: mike ning was probably there that yeah the year. jim Mayer. jim close. Mayer was
0: running it yeah
1: yeah um but
0: yeah the and so that that was a really fun time and then they broke so you guys broke us all up into like Combos or whatever, right?
1: That's right. You ended up in my combo. Yeah, yeah. that was great.
0: Yeah, yeah It was really nice. I, I, that was I didn't know a whole lot about jazz at that point I'd
1: played for a long time, but I didn't know much about it I remember we were puzzling over bowings and how to swing the best mm-hmm. using what particular bowing which is I'm sure you know, that's a big concern of, of string players
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and and definitely it's something that I don't think a lot of us really think about and because I, This is something that I see in schools a lot when orchestras want to try to do, you know, grease uh, medleys or like, you know, anything new and they're doing these swing beats and the teacher doesn't really, they've never really played jazz, so they don't really know what they're talking about. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I don't know, that's my opinion, but uh, that's a tough thing.
1: Right, there's not much experience, you know, in straight Mm -hmm. up. we were fortunate enough in our school to have Turtle Island String Quartet come mm. in a few years back. It just sort of ended up in our lap, and it was so cool.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, they're ridiculous. I mean, they're they're incredible players. I I'm, that's really cool. Like we never got anything like that in mm. our high school, but
1: it was sheer luck. Oh, sure. oh really? Yeah. yeah. But and that we'll take
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the 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 camp the camp was really cool because I mean you guys. And during lunch, I mean, you guys came over and like played a combo for us and we're all just sitting there like, oh my God, you know, like these guys are
1: awesome. It's a, it's a great camp that offers, this is not an advertisement, but it's a great camp, I think, because it offers something for lots of different age groups depending mm-hmm. on what you want and what you need. Oh yeah. So it's, it's not just for young people, it's not just for older experienced people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the faculty, lots of good teachers on the faculty
0: Oh, uh, Matheny, Mike, Matheny yeah, was he there was that there. At the, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: that's another one I remember. Mm-hmm. Now, Steve Malloy is on there, Mike's mm-hmm. not there um, anymore, and they have a trombonist, uh, Brian Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. so that's cool. Yeah, uh, it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was
0: I was there a long a while ago, at least eight years ago, but uh, but yeah, man, so I know that. Uh, I've seen I've seen you play out in public doing you know stuff with Rod and random you know random people around town, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't know until a couple years ago that you've you've taught band for forever, right? I mean, or not forever, but for a while, yeah.
1: Since 1984. Oh wow! Okay. So forever. Yeah, for yeah. forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so so you know, being a teacher and a player, um, everyone on the show has made it very apparent to me that that doesn't just happen you know people don't just like kind of fall into this there's usually stuff that happens throughout their whole life and it, so so talk about kind of how you got started playing or whatever
1: like many of the people you've interviewed of course there was music going in the house when I was very young mm-hmm. and I think it takes something like that but anyway I got interested folks my folks supported it and so I started on piano and then actually cello was mm. the next instrument love that Started a little bit on clarinet. When I got old enough, I had to make a choice between those two because of the way the schools were structured at that time. Mm -hmm. I did clarinet, I don't know really why, but I did. And so that was a fork in the road. And uh, then added sax to that, studied it in college. Um, Not sure if my folks really wanted me to do that, but it happened that way. Um, And then started making connections. And you know, one of the things that your listeners probably already know but it's you've got to make your connections even if you think there's somebody who will not be able to help you later on down the line maybe they will mm. so it's always good not to burn bridges and mm. one thing led to another one gig leads to another and you get oftentimes a better gig and then you move to a better gig because of people somebody knows somebody else and it's a lot of its word of mouth as you know oh yeah a lot of its word of mouth and um i've got gotten to play a lot of really cool stuff i got to play in vegas for a summer Mm -hmm. with um you know of course that was a long time ago um and some of my better gigs have come from just word of mouth types of things um north texas state at that time Mm -hmm. and again while you're down there while you're in college you want to make your good connections. You don't want to be a jerk. You want to be, mm-hmm. you know, you obviously you want to be a good player and you want to impress people, but you, you also have to impress them that you're not a jerk and that you take care of business. And, mm-hmm. and then things start coming your way. And um, I found out that I'm not really suited to be full-time professional musician because to do that with my instrument in this town, you either have to to settle for a living in not terribly good conditions or being on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want both of those things. I wanted a family, so I kind of looked into the education part, and um, then decided I could blend the two. Mm-hmm. And I think you can do that if you're careful about it, and you have, you know, you're you're really careful about a good balance between mm-hmm. being a teacher and also being a player. Um, one helps the other, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's a little bit of my background.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, you said a whole bunch of things right there. Definitely as a, as a teacher, you know, my, my posture is a thousand times better because I'm a teacher. I'm demonstrating curve, curve. I mean, you know, every single day demonstrating all this bow grip, whatever, you know uh and I, I totally know what you mean i think being a teacher makes you a lot better player
1: right i'm sure and you've probably picked up things from some of your students it's like oh i better check to make sure i'm doing that right
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah and that, that's happened recently for me of just you know it's probably similar on the saxophone but definitely not even thinking about like my thumb or something you know random stuff and and i've gone through like you know, eight years of teaching at that time, you know, and I never even thought about my left thumb or something, you know, some random thing, and, and my student, you know, yep. triggered that out of me, you know.
1: Yeah, and you end up being a better player.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. So. and you, you said something else interesting, and we, we haven't talked about, we've talked about this a little bit on the show of the connections kind of thing, and that happens to people a lot, and that definitely happened to me when I was, at, at, like right at the start of Kansas City, is I would come in and have a certain a certain opinion of how good I was or whatever, and then I would see you know I'd be I'd be already doing the hierarchy ranking crap in my head you know, and so I'd see these other guys and I'd be like man, I I, I want to get into town with a with a good reputation or something, so I'm gonna I'm gonna strive to play with you know to play with these guys over here, but Like you said, it's not even about knowing this other crowd over here just to play in their band. Because you you know, I mean, people send you random gigs that they can't even play either for your band, you know? So it's not about playing with them, but it's about knowing them and like, and... uh,
1: Right. And, you know, with a positive attitude of, I'm not gonna try to take your gig, but I Mm. love what you're doing if you've got extra work send in my way, I promise I won't steal it, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing where nobody's gonna feel threatened.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And,
1: you know, and everybody's got something different to offer. Like, one of the groups I play in is the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra. Right, yeah. And so there are five saxes in that group, like a lot of big bands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, nobody's there trying to beat their chest, saying, I'm the best sax in this section. Everybody's got a different story to tell. So if they stand up to play a solo, it's gonna be totally different than any of the other guys. And I think just knowing that you've got something different can keep you away from worrying about, are you the best player? Or are you not the best player? Or should I feel bad about not being Mm -hmm. able to do this or that? As long as you're doing your story, telling your story um, and doing it with conviction, and and professionalism and mastery, Mm -hmm. then uh, that's gonna carry a lot of weight.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you're and 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 you just hit on something with that hierarchy that everybody. That that's what's so crazy to me about jazz in comparison to classical is that everybody's like trained the same in classical. So everybody mm-hmm. kind. of... I mean, there's differences, but everybody kind of ends up sort of almost the same player. But in jazz, it is all over the place. I mean, somebody's got really good rhythm, or somebody's a pretty. Bad technician, but their ideas during their solo are just so ridiculously awesome that they're, you know, and yeah. and you were mentioning even big band that some guys are really good at reading in big band, but then other guys go into a combo and they just shred them up really bad. So that's like a whole nother thing with being in a group like that, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. I'm I mean, in a group like that, in pretty much any big band situation, you do have to be a good reader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or. You know, you. I was going to say, or you won't last. I mean, that has something to do with other things. But you'll certainly, if you're not a good reader, then you're going to be causing yourself some headaches if you're mm-hmm. in a big band setting. If you're a woodwind player, in a big band setting, then a professional big band setting, you also have to be able to double, mm. um, because almost all the groups, you know, the woodwinds. You if mean like clarinet and sax, or flute clarinet, sax, whatever? Flute, sax, yeah, yeah. Flute, clarinet sax, sometimes the bari sax player will have to double on bass clarinet, or the lead alto player might have to double on soprano sax. Right. And, you know, it's not that easy. You have to have a little bit of training on that. Oh, sure. So, you know, there... Depending on the situation you're playing in, it, it requires a different skill set possibly, mm-hmm. and just like you're saying, you know, like somebody might be a better reader than the other person, but uh, you know that person can just totally shred it if it's a combo gig where there's no reading at all. Yeah. Right. Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. There's all kinds of people out there with all kinds of different skill sets, and hopefully you can match your your skill set to a job.
0: Right. 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 And and that's what and that's also a thing like. In Something like the jazz orchestra. I mean you guys are all good. You guys all have reputations you guys all I mean, you know, everybody in the group is is a g- Good player to great player, you know, I mean, I've seen you guys you guys have a really good It's a really good group. It, you know? It's a good organization. Yeah, yeah. with Clint or whatever. With, yeah, with
1: Clint. Yeah, and Clint writes a lot of music mm-hmm. So yeah, all the better he can tailor it for us.
0: Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you said something interesting that we haven't talked about a ton, but we have a little bit on the show, is the idea of being a full-time musician. And you were talking about sort of like knowing what you're getting yourself into, you know, <laughs> knowing that, okay, if I'm going to go hard on this, I'm looking at scrounging around, finding my gigs, or... I get lucky and find a pretty good band, we go on the road, I'm gone for three months, you know, and so, like, talk about that, of of finding, finding that balance of the really obnoxious day job that we we all kind of have (laughs) to deal with here.
1: Well, it is a balance. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have something that's gonna make you feel good about your musicianship. I mean, if you're a musician, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure we're talking to musicians, so. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be able to put the food on the table and whether that means you can find a playing job that pays pretty well, that you can tolerate, you know. I mean, usually, the art and the money- That you can tolerate. The (laughs) art and the money don't go hand in hand. You know, so it's like, there's a certain discipline. Like There's a discipline that I don't, that I'm not particularly good at, which is, Show playing and -hmm. the show playing part is, I mean, it's a lot of it's really fun music, but then it gets to be time to perform, and you usually have to perform it multiple times. And after I perform it once or maybe twice, I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, and then here comes the third and the fourth time, and it'd be like watching a baseball game rerun where you already know what's going to happen. Right. You know, so now there are people who can knock that out, and they thrive on that. You know, and those players playing the Broadway shows and the money is good. Right, uh, yeah. You know, and that's a different deal. Um, and that definitely pays the bills. And then the, the more you go into your own thing and, you know, the, quote, art music and mm-hmm. all that other stuff, then usually the money doesn't follow, you know, quite so readily. So mm-hmm. you can play shows and make a living. You can play, um, you know, clubs, And then make sure you've got a second source of income if you Mm -hmm. want to do that. Um, And some of the younger players, um, you know, they have to learn that. Uh, And some of them already know it, but some of them don't do the math. Like, you know, what's your utility bill a month? Mm -hmm. And what's your your rent or your mortgage and all this? You know, how much does it really cost you to live a month? And then can you play enough club gigs to make that happen? And the answer is, in most cases, probably not, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on your living situation. And if you can, how long can you sustain that? Can you sustain that until you're 60 years old? And if the answer is no, which it probably is, then you got to start having some kind of a plan to help balance out your life just a little bit. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy solution because I enjoy teaching. Oh, yeah. And so it, that's, not like, that's not a part of my life that I dread. Oh, I, sure. I, yeah. I enjoy that. And so I can put that together, but with some other people, you know, it's um, it's tough. I'm, I won't say it's not worth it because I think it is. Uh-huh. You know, they're they're doing something they like. They're expressing themselves with their instrument in different settings that may not pay very much, but they need that, uh-huh. and I would need it too. Um, so you have to figure out what you're going to do to get food on the table. Um, and so there's definitely a balance there. I. I did a master class at University of Minnesota and this was many, many years ago. Um, and the topic was just what I was talking about mm-hmm. there. And the director of jazz at that time had a lot of players who thought they were just gonna go out and play clubs for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And so he brought me in <laughs> to try to talk some sense into them. Um, and, you know, and it's not that you can't, you just have to resign yourself to, okay, if I'm gonna do that and only that then, you know what does a club pay? I mean, if you can get a hundred dollars out of a club, mm-hmm. okay. Then let's say you let's say you can play. Let's say you're a horn player. So let's say you play three nights a week. That's three hundred dollars times four weeks. Okay, one week. carry the two right. and twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what is that? Fourteen thousand four hundred dollars. If you get that, if you yeah. get if you get that, yeah, yeah, a year, you know, plus or minus, um, you know, and that's below the poverty level. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but you put that with a thirty to fifty thousand dollar teaching job, and that is pretty good. Then you then you put another half of it of a wife who's doing something similar to that. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you've got a pretty pretty decent
1: set up there, you know, then you can piece it together and you got the balance there the, mm-hmm. that you need. And from there you got wiggle room to tweak it.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And and that that's kinda what happens a lot is that people see the glitz in the glam, you know, and, and especially the like I said, the, the like 19 year olds and they see that they're gonna be up on the stage mm-hmm. and and that's one thing that has been that's probably the biggest thing that's fascinated me about getting out into this real world after college is understanding that like, you know, like, so, so what's your taxes situation going to be like, Uh I don't know, right? You know, what is my, my dad, he, he goes, hey, did you write down how much money you made this year? And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't, you know, because I just didn't even freaking think about it, you know, and like. Do you, you know, you know how to make a spreadsheet, you know, really easy one, date, time, you know, mm-hmm. place, money, yep. that's it, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, but none of us, none of us are very good at that as musicians, right? We're, we're right brain typically, very creative and all the,
1: a lot of us don't want to be bothered with that other part. I, yeah. I certainly don't. Oh, yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. And that, that's, it's understandable, you know, yeah. but I mean, that's probably something that, like you said, I mean, it's. And, and that's the other thing you said is the the being willing to because I always think about like my analogy I always use is like a house and an apartment. you know you've got your house for 900 but an apartment for 800 well. what is that extra space worth? How, well, how, do, how, do, you, yeah. how do you put a money value on that and that's the same thing with doing something you love. you know I mean how do you how do you even quantify that well, you know, you, you talk about somebody, somebody like myself who feels pretty darn happy, but I make hardly nothing. But I, I don't have something that I hate to do every single day. I love teaching. I love playing, you know, so what is it worth, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, and in my opinion, that's worth a lot. Yeah. As long as you can make ends meet, that's worth a ton, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, good for you. Yeah, well,
0: and there's some people that aren't willing to make that bargain. They're like the, the, the stability, the, the anti-stability makes me go crazy you know or another person makes them go crazy and they're like I just I just couldn't do it you know and just so so what's the lesson there? just like know what you're getting yourself into or like
1: I think so I think if you go in ahead of time knowing what you're getting yourself into or at least willing to analyze it as you're going mm. you know then then you can make educated decisions of no I don't need to compromise my music I'm I'm a young guy that's 22 years old I've got a lot of fresh ideas. I want to play some clubs. I want to start this. And I think that's wonderful. And that's where, you know, that's what propels jazz forward. Oh, people yeah. like that. And that's great. And they just have to know that they have to make some kind of balance so that they can keep doing that if that's something that they need to have. And, you know, I've I've got those in my life too. I have certain things where I can go out and play clubs, but I'm not. Looking at that to be my main source of income. Right. So I can be creative there. There are other music gigs I take which I know are not going to be creative, but they probably pay a little more. Sure. And then the course of the teaching. So.
0: Right. And that that's what, you know, I've been, my, my dad has said that to me for years. He's like, man, if you were to get a big day job. You have no idea. You'd think that you're going to be more stressed out. He's like, I, I actually think the opposite's going to happen. He's like, I, I think you're not going to you're, you're cause you're, you're sitting here, you know, all worried. Okay. Where's my next gig. And oh my gosh, I've got to go hustle. he's like, man, you get that little, you know, that little extra job that you have that, that little pitiful day job, even 20 hours. He's like, dude, that's gonna, and you know, I've been, you know, emotionally arguing, you know, emotionally, you know, trying to fight that for like a whole long time. And now that I've built up my studio as my thing, you know, of, of private lessons, that's, that's helped a lot. And, and I'm not so stressed out about, about uh, hustling for the gig every single right. five seconds, you know, like,
1: well, you don't want to be in a position where you have to take everything. Mm. I mean, if if you can help it, right. You know, it's, um, it took me a long time to learn that because mm-hmm. I used to take everything if it was available on the calendar and now if somebody offers something where it's just kind of like, yeah. you know, I really wouldn't be good at that or that would drive me crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I don't tell them it would drive me crazy, but, right. you know, just politely decline. And Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that time's worth money. So mm-hmm. if you have, at least in my philosophy, if you have, I mean, I've never tried to quantify it, but let's say you have 100 free hours in a week. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and somebody calls you to play a gig that's so-so, okay, maybe so, but what if you only have 30 free hours in that week? I I think those free hours are worth more at that point, you know, because your time's already spoken Mm -hmm. for, then it's kind of like, well, you know, I really don't want to go play at that restaurant for $10. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. It's uh, the, my time's worth more than you know five dollars an hour because right, it's only sure. three, 30 you know, hours right. available. Yeah. So I think there's a continuum. and I, you know, I, I don't think it's a double standard. I think it's a sliding standard based upon mm-hmm. what you got available, what's going to drive you crazy or what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's a lot to think about, especially as you get a little bit older, I'm not saying you personally, mm-hmm. but as a person gets a little bit older. Then they have to develop um, their method for for how for how they're going to conduct their business.
0: Sure. Yeah, the decisions Mm -hmm. and, and make and that's a good point. I mean, sometimes you know this pitiful gig and it's it's tough. That's the problem with the networking thing, I think, because that you know and that that's what I always laugh when somebody's you know when somebody says, you know, well, why don't you do you know well, we can't pay you, but, you know, and then and they're like, but it's for the Humane Society, that's my favorite one, you know, and you're just like, you know, and of course they're giving you this majorly guilt trip, but but at the same time, you you don't ever know. You don't ever know, and and so those are, those are a hard judgment, but sometimes I, I, I would probably agree with you that, you know, is this kind of, I'm sorry to say it, but this kind of pitiful gig that I got offered, you know, it's like, is this, is this worth uh, being a little bit less stressed out this week? maybe the less stress is worth it more than the you know
1: maybe the less stress is worth it or in my quartet you know i'll everybody in the quartet kind of has their favorite causes and if if they want to play free for their cause whatever it might be Mm -hmm. that's okay but don't drag the other three guys into Mm -hmm. it you know they need to get paid so yeah yeah. and that usually that usually squares things with the presenter sure like you know somebody's it's, it, the most aggravating thing is if you go play a really low-paying gig and then you come to find out, well, the thing's being catered, you know, for like a zillion dollars and, you know, uh, and, yeah, you know there's some flowers over there. And uh, yeah, right, you know, right. and
0: yeah that, that's, that's pretty pretty weak. And, and that's really, t- I mean, there's a whole other discussion, but the, definitely I always find it really hard like you said of judging like how much stuff you have going on of uh judging how much to charge it's always the hardest for me because you know obviously if i could you know if like definitely with students i've made this argument before where you have a certain level of student that you would like to get into your studio not even level of player but level of commitment level you you know there's the people, like I've said before, when I went to UMKC as a high schooler, you know, I, I got offered to, to take from the old instructor at UMKC, which is a big honor in a, in, as a high school. Well, he had this, I call it the muscle, like a gangster, you know, he was just saying, no, if you don't do this, like you're gone. I have 12 more high school, you know, so he put up this kind of muscle to be able to sort of demand X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, demand the money, demand your respect, demand you practice, demand, you know, and right. the same kind of thing happens to me where you get somebody like a, you know, and I'll just call him out, somebody like Alani McFadden who's been in town for a while and he, you know, he can kind of go, he, he can't, he can't demand, you know, 10 grand a gig, but he can kind of go in and be like, you know what, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not doing this for 300. You know, I'm not going to do, you know, and and I'm going to go somewhere else. And he has the, they, the bar owners know that he's going to bring a crowd and all that stuff. And that's always tough for me to judge because I, you know, and I've heard different opinions about this as a band is that you, you need to kind of set your, they say you need to set their bar and be willing to walk away. And that's what people don't want to do. They don't want to walk away. Oh, I find. The seventh time I've gone down to this bar and now I finally have talked to this club owner, you know, and mm-hmm. then oh oh yeah, oh yes, sir, I'll take anything, you know, and, and now you now they have you and they're you're on their little leash and stuff, you know, like doing fifty dollar gigs
1: and stuff. You and know? that becomes your new value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah. So I would even go a step further and say that Lonnie McFadden not only shouldn't, I mean doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. you know, he, he can be in a position where he can't lower his price because yeah. that becomes his new lower value. Uh, sure, yeah, right. I don't know if that's the way he runs business. Or yeah, you know, he's but. just an
0: example of somebody in town that, that has a fine. He has like four weekly gigs, which is nuts. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that nobody has that. Uh-huh. You know, and like, but he's he's deserved it. He's been in town for forty years. I mean, and, you know,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, and he's a really nice guy. But he's but anyway, I, that that's something that I've always been been really frustrated with, and now you know. And even, even charging for lessons, too, is, is another half of that where, you know, do you do you set your, you know, and I've tried to think about this, do you set your price and be like, man, if you're, if you're not even willing to pay this price, then I probably don't want you in the studio anyway. And you could think of it, I guess, maybe as a really good, a really good student is eight to eight to a thousand dollars a year. You know, like eight hundred bucks a year is a good student if they go thirty forty weeks, you know it's like mm-hmm. and so you know a really bad student is or a, a really good one good great student is worth more than three that quit early, you know what i mean money wise so I mean like right I don't know, you know I don't know what the answer is i mean
1: well psychologically i mean you you pretty much have to attach a value to it mm. Mm-hmm. So, so that they will attach a value to it. You know, there gets to be the psychological side of that, too.
0: Yeah, the expectations you're
1: saying a little bit? A little bit, so that, you know, if, if this if this lesson is a... I mean, assuming that it's somebody who's not, you know, a, a four-year-old Suzuki player, right. in that case, something right. like that, but somebody old enough to know the value of money, and you don't want to be teaching a lesson for for so little money that they don't attach a meaning yeah, to it. see
0: and that's what some people have taught, well cuz that four isn't for the 4 year olds for their parents right the parents know that you're serious or whatever and and what, I guess so you're saying that one of the one of the ways that you set that expectation is you you don't charge a $20 lesson you know you maybe you know 30 40 whatever 50, you know and and
1: D- depending yeah. on what you know, what the market will bear and what you will bear, it's like the the other part that you were just talking about, which is, you know, setting the is, hierarchy yeah, or, yeah. or uh,
0: what level uh, you're at, whatever that means. But right.
1: you know, if you're a if you're a symphony player, are you going to have a, you know, what are you going to be teaching for? And, and it depends, probably right. on, on on a lot of things. So. Um, yeah that, that whole thing the economic thing. I know we went off on a tangent yeah, there. Yeah, that's but, all right. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting psychological study and just a trying to take care of business without being too necessarily too business like, you know, you're, you're right. still you're still an artist.
0: Oh yeah. Well, this business stuff to me is like the number one question. I think everybody has a problem with the you know, not everybody has a problem with it, but this is this is not it's not fun forever, you know, all the musicians have, have a little bit of struggle with this at once in a while. So, I mean, it's a great thing to talk about because we all, we all bitch about this crap, you know, I mean, about playing $30 gigs and the, the person won't pay and, da, 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 you know, we, a lot of people have dealt with that. So, I mean, it's really important. Um, yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, our life, our life as a musician, once we're, when, when we're in college or right after college, we'll play for anything. Right. I mean, and it's sort of a life cycle type of thing. And then you get into the part where you're in your late 20s, into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. And that's when you definitely should not be playing for just anything. And then when you're retired, it kind of goes back to, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah, right. And so, but unfortunately, economically, then the, the younger students, and then the older, retired people, you know, the ones who will play anything, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about them because that's just part of the deal. That drags down the price of entertainment for the ones who are trying to make their living out of it. you know, and and that's just part of it. So, um, you know, the good part is that the young players, you know, they're infusing the life of the music Mm, right um, you know they're they're propelling it and it's great. and then the older players you got to admire them because you know it's like mm-hmm. that's part of their life and that's you know it's they're still playing and it, it means that much to them. So you can't argue with it, but it is tough it's yeah. tough to deal with, especially when you're in between our ages, you know right.
0: Yeah. I, I always joke with people because, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of it. And I, I know I've said this a million times, but, I mean, even somebody like myself who started three years old, I mean, 30, 32, 33 years into this already. And I was joking with people. I'm like, so when does, even as a 36-year-old, you know, it's like, so when do the when do the trenches, and, you know, going through the trenches, <laughs> like, what, 40 years in, right? You have a 40-year player, like 50 year you know, I'm just being silly and Pissed off, but you know when do the when do those not play those free gigs? I mean, what fifty years of playing experience? You know what? Yeah, <laughs> a bitch right Six now, years. but you know, like yeah, right anyway, sixty, you know. But uh, anyway, like switching gears a little bit. So, so talking about like teaching a little bit. What was like maybe more on the more on the like pedagogy side or whatever, what what was something that happened when you were like a younger teacher that you kind of learned from, or that you saw somebody else mistake somebody else that like, another, like what, what are some typical mistakes like that younger teachers typically run into?
1: I think, and this, again, this is just my opinion. Mm. And probably there are as many mistakes as there are people. <laughs> so, um, but I think going by the book too much, mm. you know? It's uh, every player is a little bit different. Every every player, of course, you run into this in private lessons, constantly, e- yeah. even more than I run into it in a classroom. But every player who's sitting there needs help in a little bit different aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, and being able to say that, you know, this is not a cookie cutter type of thing. When you get out of here you will be able to play the C major scale uh, at tempo marking, blah, sure, blah, blah, yeah. you know? And so we need to treat them like human beings and, and we need to try to meet their needs because probably if we meet their needs and we keep them pointed in the right direction, then they're gonna continue and they're gonna make music for the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. And if we screw up, then, you know, that's, that's kind of on us, uh-huh. I mean, there's always gonna be screw-ups, but hopefully they're not too blatant. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah. And on, like, so, and I know when, so so here's a question for you. One of my, like, mentors, Mary Lou Jones, she, yeah. uh, do you know Mary Lou? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I was with her at Shining Sun South. She, we, we had an absolutely monster program at South for 15 years or whatever, but one thing that I'd forgotten that she had said, that she said at her retirement party that I remembered, but, She's talking always about the turtle story where the turtle goes across the road and it's trying really hard and the guy swerves around the turtle and then the turtle just kind of, the second turtle comes up and not really trying and the guy splat, you know? And her, her her point was that, you know, I know, that's pretty rough, but uh, but her point was that if you try, I'm going to drop everything and try to help you, but if you don't try, you know, I, like, and she didn't mean it in this way, but you're, you're kind of dead to me, you know, I mean, it, it, she didn't say it in those words, but she was like, I have 120 kids here, I only have so many breaths in life, you know, if you're, you know, I only have so much energy and so much emotion and motivation, like if you're, if you're really trying, I will like go above and beyond, but if you're not, I've got to kind of move on. And I've been kind of trying to wrap my mind around that because it's one of those things that I've, I'm really bad because I, I probably, I'm on the side of there's teachers like private teachers that go take the money and they're, they're just like, Oh, good little Billy. All right. See you next week. And, but I'm, if, as a younger teacher probably more idealistic than some of the older teachers as well, where I think I can change everything and change wow. the world But I'm, I'm struggling with how much do I how much do I lose sleep over how much do I take home with me at night? And how much do I care when I know that? You know, I mean, what's your
1: yeah, the student X hasn't practiced in the last year <laughs> year <laughs> Maybe years a little bit too ever. Much, but yeah. Yeah, ever or you know, it's the same mistakes, it's the same mistakes, it's the same mistakes, you try mm-hmm. to correct them, you try to correct them. Same bad habits, yes, caved in race, Right. What, yep. whatever it mm-hmm. might be, you know, in your, in your neck of the woods. Right. But, um, you know, uh, of, of course, in I, I think in a public school setting, you know, I'm not really allowed to give up on them. Right, I, I mean, right. I I don't let myself give up on them. But, you know, I see Mary Lou's side of it, which is, but probably more of my energy is going to go toward trying to keep guiding the people who are helping themselves so yeah. if they try to help themselves you know if i see some energy there i'm going to do whatever i can to try to keep that going you know will i be successful i don't know i mean you know what are the odds of that who knows but you got to give it a shot oh
0: right? sure yeah i'm not suggesting don't give it a shot you know yeah and I mean, I guess where she might, where somebody like that that would have that perspective would be the the taking it home emotionally part. I think that's what she's talking about. You know, way yeah. when you have the kid that isn't do isn't doing what you ask. And it's not that they're being, you know, it's not that they're being a turd in lesson or anything. They're just not trying very hard. They don't hate you. They're not, you know, talking back or any, you know, it's not any behavior things. It's But I think her, what maybe she's mentioning is that, you can't, you're never going to last emotionally if, you, if I keep doing what I'm doing of like, oh my gosh, okay, what am I doing wrong and I can't do, you know, oh, well, okay, this didn't work and that, and if I keep doing that, it may, so is this a, a true statement that sometimes it doesn't matter how much you do? They're not going to come. The other ten percent. Do you know what I mean? Is, yes. is that a true statement, or like?
1: Oh, well, I'm sure it must be in some cases. Mm-hmm. I, we've seen lots of students. I've seen thousands, mm-hmm. and it's you know that's got to be true that there's some people who just are not interested. Um, you know whether they're physically able. They probably are. Almost yeah. everybody oh, is yeah. to some degree. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's a little bit tough. And I think private lesson teachers, you know, that's a little bit different than classroom setting. Like, mm-hmm. so if I lose the battle one day, I know, you know, round two's
0: tomorrow. Round <laughs> two. <laughs> you know,
1: that's fine. I can, I can wait them out. But it's like uh, uh, when I was teaching private lessons, you see them once a week. And a loss is a huge loss mm-hmm. in a private lesson. Boy, you, can, you know, emotionally it's sort of like, oh, man you know, that's a week's worth of work. And I think it might have sounded worse. You know, some, oh, sure. and it's sort of like, oh, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And you know, the, the answer is probably nothing. Mm. Um, but it's just tougher in private lessons. You, you have the ability to get them further in private lessons right. and to correct all those mistakes that like band directors Orchestra Don't have actor. time to. Yeah, I can't get to. Yeah, uh, I can see it. I know exactly what they're doing wrong, and my odds of fixing that in the three seconds that I can spend with that kid are zero. So do I spend? Oh, the trumpets
0: seconds? are acting up, and then you lose distraction, right? And yeah. then you got to go deal with the like, drummer in the back who's yeah playing was, with skateboards and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, probably. you got to like you know or There's something.
1: All kinds of stuff. Right. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's figuring out what you can help with in a classroom setting and and so you know for me there there's always tomorrow Mm -hmm. and if you're teaching private lessons it's like okay well maybe i can get it next week yeah Uh, and so that's in a way it's tougher that there's more invested there's more emotionally invested in each student like each student that you have you probably have a higher percentage of emotional investment I know
0: and that see that that's probably the other thing too that that is different like like you year I think you're hitting it and maybe that's Maybe that's something that's gonna come with the territory a little bit too. Oh, I think you so. know that, that I'm just gonna have to come to terms with that that I'm going to have a more emotional because I, I'm seeing them and I'm literally directly talking to them and it's it's directly affecting them but you're kind of this you're, you're this person in front of this big, you know blob of, you know, kids and mob of kids. You know, like, you just can't get to know every one of them really ridiculously personally, right? You can know their names and you talk to them. A but, little bit you know, about,
1: yeah, you might know one or two little things about him, right. who, who their folks are. You might, right. you and you'll recognize how they play a little bit, but, you know, I you know as far as being able to really get in there, I, I can't. I mean, yeah. but I, I remember when I was, in probably sixth grade or seventh mm. grade, having a private lesson teacher who, um, you know, at, on clarinet and it was, it wasn't, it, it, it was more about not wanting to disappoint my private lesson teacher, you know mm. what I mean? It was, uh. it was that he had gotten that relationship going to where, um, you know, I thought he was really cool and I still think I was right about that yeah and you know he would assign something and he knew about how much I can handle either that or he just got lucky but anyway he seemed to know about how much I could handle and um, and I spent you know I really I did practice but not it, it wasn't about okay, I'm going to make sure that I get number two right. No, it, it was, I'm going to make sure that I have a good lesson for Mr. Williams because right. I don't want him to be disappointed. Right,
0: and that that's really interesting because it's like, because I've been thinking about motivation constantly for the last 10 years, basically, is how, to, how do I motivate better or whatever, and I in the last couple of years, I've tried to remember that there's a lot of parts to that motivation, and the one is, is to not, is that, because because this is my problem with the idealistic part is that I know that the ultimate motivation is going to come from internalized with the student. The student is going to know that that's, you know, your, you know, your music motivation comes now at, you know, at your age is, is coming from inside. And I know mine is too, you know, now I I want the song to sound awesome because I want to feel good. But at that point, middle school, you know, it's not all about them it's about them wanting to satisfy you and so that's interesting that you said that you would put more percentage it sounds like you would if percentage yeah. is a dumb way to look at it but you know more percentage on on making them because that's you feeling good too though sure it's, it's like reciprocal you. because yeah. it's not really about them feeling good it's about you feeling good that they feel good right like, yeah it goes both ways right sure. yeah yeah, yeah. And, like, and so I've been thinking about that a lot of this because I know in Suzuki, they make a huge deal about we have a – this is not a two-part team. This is a three-part team, uh, teacher, student, parent, <laughs> and they, they make, you know, the, the the parent is in the lesson with the violin, practicing with the – I mean, it's three – I mean, it's hardcore, you know, and – but I was trying to think of, you know, and putting – putting fault is, is a bad word I, I don't mean fault but back to the idea of who's whose motive or how much is on me because at, at WSU you know they were talking about you have a lot more you you have a lot more control of the situation than you think you do you know there's there's one classroom that is you know, sitting there like they should, and then the other classroom's in chaos. Well, are these kids really different? They're in the same school. It's pretty much the same kids. What's the difference? Well, it's the teacher, probably. but but there's other moments where it's like I'm sitting here, and maybe I'm sitting here setting up uh, external recitals for them. You know, I'm trying to be nice during lessons, right? I'm doing appropriate songs. They're, you know, mildly fun to play. I'm telling them how to get better. You know, you can do, go down this laundry list of stuff that I know that I'm doing, but then I come back to, you know, well, the, you know, the parents not really doing anything and I don't like putting it on them. I want, I always want, I'm, I'm opposite of a lot of people. I always want there to be something that I can do, which sure. makes me annoyed. Cause that's something then I can like, it, I can invoke, uh, you know, something on this situation, but I'm coming to terms that sometimes there isn't anything you can do and I, I hate that that's the I don't want that to be the lesson, you know, but like like.
1: So yeah, some sometimes the trigger the emotional trigger or motivational trigger is a mystery mm. I suppose Maybe one ideally one or several exist with any student. I I like what you said about Suzuki, I, I think that it's um, great having the parent, one of the parents automatically in the loop. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, in public school, we try to keep the parent in the loop, but that is a much tougher oh, yeah. type of thing. Um, you know, motivationally, I don't know, uh, the student is not gonna wanna disappoint the parent Mm. Um, or hopefully the teacher. Right. You know, so, I, it, motivation is such a tricky thing and the trigger can be, you know, what, what motivates people. A lot of times it's the relationship. Mm. You know, it's, it may not be Sonata number three. You know, Sonata number three may be all right, you know, okay, whatever, but it's like, well, I I don't want to disappoint Mr. Smith, so I'm going to try to get this thing worked up, or I'm going to show Mr. Smith that I know what I'm doing, or, right. or you know, it's it's one of those things, and knowing you know that's going to be different for each right each student that we have. Um, um, sometimes a small amount of competition can be good.
0: Mm-hmm yeah that's the other trigger of the other kids at school right
1: some of the kids are motivated by that some of them are turned off Mm. um they feel you know as though they're not competitive or they're or they can't do something or they're going to be behind or you know Mm. they're that kid who never got picked for the kickball team or whatever it might be the
0: first chair or the upper uh the upper band Um, Right, I mean, you guys have different. You, you don't yeah. have just one, right? You have two different groups. So, no. how do you guys do it at
1: your school? Well, in the high school, there are um, in the spring there are three different bands, um, and so, but there's only one audition, and that's late yeah. fall. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's not a an ongoing type of competitive situation. It's a, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised a lot of people don't audition yeah. Just saying, yeah. I'll, I'll just take the low band right yeah you know it's...
0: and that's that is what it is it's yeah whatever you know
1: uh, and maybe that's the right choice for them yeah uh, so but anyway competition can help in some cases mm. the relationship can help um, you know and that's I think something that a lot of the young teachers you know that they'll come in from and I'm also speaking for myself coming in from Yeah. And having, it's like, you know, being surrounded by all these other really, you know, wonderful college musicians. And then you walk into the junior high and it's like, oh, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're at this level and it takes a while.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, how come you guys can't play? Mm -hmm. It's because they're not supposed to be able to, (laughs) you know, so.
0: It's the caring too, I think, because we, we've gone from four to six years or whatever of people like dove in hard, you know, I mean, it, it, all in the college. I mean, everybody's, you know, pretty much everybody in the fine arts department is all in, you know, I mean, in general, at least even if they don't end up going into music, they're they're still like really good player and the teachers are great. And then you go to this other, back to the like kids and then they're like, they don't give a crap, you know, some yeah. of them, you know, like, and... That's kind of a culture shock a little bit sometimes to get
1: used to. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, they you know, they haven't been there yet. They don't understand where you've been, even if you tell them. And most of them aren't going that direction anyway. Right. You know, they're in they're public school music, and if you have to have a common goal, it would be, you know, I hope when people are done with me <laughs> that it'll take them a little bit closer to loving music or having right. a part of their life
0: right and that's that's a great point and I've been conjuring up that too because you know I've been thinking about my high school how we you know there there's only a couple of us that are you know we had a huge program and only a couple of us are either teaching or playing you know pretty professionally mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that like and so was, besides for if this kid isn't going to Like like you just said, if they're not going to become symphony members, I mean, somebody who started at three and I'm not good enough to be in the city, you know, I mean, that's the MBA of, so if they're not going to do that, why the hell are we here? You know, and then, so the only thing I can come up with is, like you said, is giving them that, that appreciation of music and, uh, and you mentioned too about, or maybe was hinting at the idea of the relationship between the teacher.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you saying you're not good enough to be in the symphony? Come on! I mean, you know, that's a like every string player who's in the symphony, you know, they're they're responding to a very very particular skill set.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's really true. And the, the half of those guys, well, Marvin would, you know, Mar, Marvin will go out and like shred some people up with some improv and say, right. and we we can get into that, but uh, but yeah, I, I agree with that. But I guess like. I've been trying to think of what, if I have this kid that I know that they're probably, you know, they're probably not going to be going to play in a, a thing on Broadway. What is this moment for right now? And, and maybe maybe it is to, I, I heard one that I'll, that I'll share is this lady said, she's like, I'm really glad we're doing lessons because my son, and they, they were divorced, the mo- mother and father, and she's like, my son doesn't have anybody in his life like you and she was meaning like my personality of being very artsy and very excited and passionate. Yeah. And she's like, his father is not like you is very, you know, and, and she's like, that's really cool that he gets to see a guy that is like that really passionate and, um, and, and really talented in a, in a specific area. You know, there's whatever quality she was talking about, but I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's what this mother is doing this lessons for. I get
1: it now. It's not because of the music. It's this all this other stuff. Sure, it has many other values. You know, it's it's got immediate feedback. Mm. You know, you can't get. I suppose a video game, but you know, but you on, on something real like oh, an right. instrument. You right. know, that's how. You know, how much quicker can you get feedback? No, it's not F sharp. It's F natural. And the instrument tells you that immediately. Right, right. right? And, you know, I, I think that's wonderful. I, I think it helps to teach lots of stuff. Perseverance, you know. Is, oh yeah. Is one of the things that, no matter what you're gonna be doing later on down the line, you gotta have perseverance. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's the one, it doesn't matter how smart you are, or not intelligent, or anything, you know, the the. Sticking with it, right? The grit part um, is—that's what helps to make people successful. Oh sure. And music is, I think, one of the best tools for younger people.
0: Oh yeah, especially today, right? Where everything is so fast uh, and—it's the word media gratification. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and it's there. I mean, it—it's there. Not. You know, as, as far as day-to-day stuff, it's like, oh, that note's wrong. Okay, that note's right. Not loud enough. Okay, not soft enough. Higher, mm-hmm. slow, you know, whatever it might be. You know, can you play Sonata number three any better than you did the day before? You probably won't notice that. Right, yeah. You know, so hopefully people are paying attention to the right thing, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, that is the negative part, that if, you're, if your goal is to, I was gonna try to find a piece of sheet music, but if your goal mm-hmm. is to be able to play from here to here, that might take more than one day, mm-hmm. you know, or two days, or three days, or a month, right? Mm-hmm. And plus getting it to sound like anything. So, um, you know, so part of it is just being able to stick with it. Um, you know, that's, well, there was a I was down at the Blue Room. Oh, this is years ago now, and it was packed. I don't even remember who I was going to see. It was a national act. Mm-hmm. And um, I got there late. And so they seated me at a table with another gentleman and we got to talking during the break. And uh, he, it turns out that he was uh, an ex-NFL player. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, I can't, he was East Coast like the Giants or something. I don't remember exactly. Um, And it was a name that I didn't know. And he said that his one big regret was that uh, during his playing career, that he didn't at least sort of keep trumpet playing going. He was a trumpet player, mm. and he said he let it totally go, and now he didn't think he was going to get back into it. But he said that's the thing he missed the most.
0: Wow, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and that that's the thing too is that you 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 can play NFL for an average of six years or four years or something, you know, and then what what happens after that? And you you can play trumpet. I mean, definitely, probably into your seventies if you keep your you know, sure. it easily into your 70s, you know, or enjoy music the rest of your life or so. you know, that's, and, yeah, I, the other one that, with the, because I, I call them all the non-musical skills, you know, that you're teaching through music, I mean, and the other one that I think of a lot is, um, is time management, oh. and that that's, like, the one that gives, because, like, this is what's frustrating me is that because I'm probably too, it's not like I'm a philosopher or something, but but I think really philosophically and like really heady psychology kind of stuff. And so when I see a kid with a problem in the lesson, I can always, I can always link it back to a non-musical problem mm-hmm. every single time. And that's that's a problem because I'm like, okay, well you know, and and that's the thing is the diagnosing of the kid. That's the easy part to me. I can do that in five seconds. Any psychologist, oh, hmm, this guy's angry. Wow, that took about two <laughs> seconds to, you know, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you, you can diagnose in two seconds. Well, it's like, the, what do you do about it? And if you tell them, when you tell them, how you tell them, like, and so, like, the time management thing, I've realized that I'm like, these kids that are in, like, four or five activities drives me nuts. They're in soccer and taekwondo and track and music and honors classes, and I'm like, Okay, so you don't sleep. Okay, I get yeah. it, you know. Right. And, and, like, and oh, no wonder you don't practice. Like, you're in five activities, and so I'm like, okay, this is not a musical thing. This is a parent-student time management thing, it, you right. know.
1: And, and I hate to pin it back on the parents, because it may not be in many cases, but I, I still remember a parent conference I had. Oh, it's over 10 years ago now. And um, the parent, you know, was... Pretty adamant that she thought that her son shouldn't have to practice. It was just, you know, the, the music class was just to show up, play, put the instrument away, yeah. show up the next day and play. So it was more like just a place to play. Don't worry about trying to build any skills. Don't worry about, mm-hmm. you know, any of the other stuff that goes along with music. It was just an hour where he didn't have to do math or right. whatever it might be so you never really know where it's going to come from right. um, or like you're saying what to do about it
0: oh yeah yeah yes yeah, and then so when when somebody says that my mind goes in like a thousand okay why would this parent take that you know and and then so so, let's take that as an example. So let's say you had a kid who they are in three or four activities, and one of them is dance that they do three or four nights a week. That they're that they're pretty hardcore. And I've had that with a couple of students where this was the this was the secondary thing, and the parent was very clear about that. We're in honors dance, whatever that would be called, you know. But she goes four nights a week. She does competitions. This is, you know, she is not going to end up being a symphony player. We're hardcore on dance. That's fine. And she also wanted to do this. That, I get it. I, I get that. They're like, so we're we're very, and so the parents sitting there, we know what our priorities are. And I'm like, dude, yeah, right good. on. That's, that's really cool. good. You guys have thought about it. You're, you're not just floating through the wind. You're, you know, you know what you want out of this. And that's where the kid shows up and they're like, well, we just don't have, we don't have time to practice, that's, that's number one. But then what would be the secondary one? Like, the parent just can't, can't really, can't really accidentally be bothered by, you know, being the, being the, hey, you need to pray, you know, that's a whole nother animal.
1: That's different, you know. Yeah. That's a little bit different, so.
0: Can, so can you call them out about
1: that? What? You know what
0: I mean, like, that's, the, that's where I'm at right now. Can you call them out and go like, well. In a conference? yeah well
1: yeah. i mean yeah i'm in a i'm in a slightly different situation they're enrolled in my class mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact you know administrators really would would take a pretty dim view of me just attaching a grade without having certain curricular things that right with that right so if the if the kid cannot achieve certain curricular things and assuming they're not a special ed person or something that's sure
0: a, that's a whole nother thing yeah
1: right then um you know then it's pretty much they're gonna end up with the grade that goes with that. I mean, not that a grade is really that important to me, but it's just, this is a mark of how you're progressing in this class. Um, You know, in a private lesson, it's, if if, uh, one of my daughters was, you know, five nights a week in dance, and this over here and that over there, Probably I wouldn't choose to give them music private lessons, because that would be, or if I did, I would go in with the expectation of, here's somebody who can at least try to stem off some of the bad habits, Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to let it go at that, you know, with a healthy attitude of, you know, at least as you're playing and as you're enjoying the violin, you'll be playing it correctly. You may not be playing at a very high level, but what you are playing will be correct.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Uh, Or at least more so than if you hadn't taken the private lessons. And, uh, you know, and then the problem is they're not gonna have very much practice in between. So some of the bad habits...
0: They're just gonna, they are what they are, yeah, yeah. They are are. what
1: they are, you knock down what you can. Uh, But that's not the students we're really talking about. It's the ones of... You know they're coming in it's like wave the magic wand cure me
0: you're right right yeah and that that that's just where and and you're absolutely right i think with the public school and the private is that it's a different situation because you you have this the there's obviously the emotional thing with with this this is my you know this is my career and i love music and i want to help and all that stuff but then you have the whole secondary thing of they're they're trying to get a grade in my class and you know is it and this is where, this is, would be a very huge uh, kind of political argument on this philosophy, is that like, is it your job to, you know, make, you know, back to my, my question is that, is it my job to absolutely make sure that I help them or are they trying to get a grade in my class and do I eventually have to let it go? But in my situation, like there's obviously money riding on this, you know, this student. And that's where you get back to the expectation thing of, do I just set it hard? And I, you know, if they're not, you know, if they're not, uh, they're not up to snuff and you just, you just, you know, you chop them and that's it, you know, and you don't lose one bit of sleep over it because you're trying and they're not, (laughs) and and you're just like, what do you want me to do? You know, that, I just don't know how to like, yeah, deep questions. I mean, you know, it's hard questions. It's
1: hard questions and you know, the answer is a case by case, you know, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately since, no. You know, it's great. We're talking about humanity here. So <laughs> right, right. So. I
0: know. That's, yeah, I'm too deep for everybody. This is what I do at 9 o'clock at night. think about philosophy
1: and everybody wants to go to sleep. One but of my uh, weakest students, uh, as I believe it was a 7th grader, was this flute player who would moved in and she, um, you know, she, she wanted to be in band and everything was cool. And then we got to where we were playing and she was missing E flats or E naturals. I can't remember what mm-hmm. it was, and I just thought, okay, well, maybe she doesn't know the fingering for it or something like that. So I was helping her with that a little bit and I realized I wasn't getting anywhere and it's because back down the line, she hadn't been taught that there was a difference between mm-hmm. E flats, it's mm-hmm. just, it's an E. You know, it's an E, here's the fingering. Which, she missed flats today. Yeah, she missed flats today. <laughs> She was flat state and she went on uh, and she is playing, she is playing in Kansas city professionally. She does a lot of gigs. She does a lot of really, really cool stuff. Oh, that's me, yeah. Um, And if I'd given up on her, then I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't really know how to help her. So basically what I did was I just made sure there was a relationship there and I just hung in there. But if I was a private lesson teacher, that would be a different matter. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's a tougher thing. Um, you know, like we were mentioning earlier, it's just... And those two things, they're like uh, complementary.
0: Right, yeah. And it is nice because I, I think you guys would probably agree as the public school guys that we, we can say... Hey, you need to play in tune. And then they go over to school and they're like, Hey guys, play in tune. And then, you know, and so we can like kind of gang up's a wrong word, but we, we get, uh, uh, street cred a little bit of, of what, you know, we're going like, Hey, you need to work hard. And then the parents like, Hey, you should work hard. And the other teacher at school, Hey, you should work hard. And all of a sudden they get this, this picture of, Oh, all the, all the adults in my life are like, Hey, you need to give a crap you know like try and you know hey you need to play in tune hey this rhythm da 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 da, da you know and that's really helpful for me cuz all my kids are in orchestra to have the school teachers you know where they can they can't triangulate on you you know because yeah. you're saying the same general stuff that the so it's you know. got, it's,
1: yeah it's got to be you know and and the cool thing about it is it's you know I can I can refer a student to a private lesson teacher and then I'll call ahead and say, "Hey, Johnny's having a whole lot of trouble with tone. I don't have time to help him, but I know you can. And just know that I'll take care of the rhythms and the reading part, and you don't have to worry about that. Just try to get, you know."
0: Can you work on it this? And then that's the relationship between you and the private, yeah, Yeah, the teacher, and that's that's a really big deal. Uh, Really quickly, you mentioned uh, her missing E flat day, you know, and and, uh, Ron White has a really famous joke about. about the the tire guy and he's like oh apparently he missed lug nut day you know like it's you know the tire falls off the car you know oh apparently you missed like rubber day Uh you know i've had that before and they're like oh so like when the notes go up they like go up on your instrument oh you know he's in like seventh grade i'm like oh dude you've been in orchestra for two years are you serious right now (laughs) well
1: you know they're taught uh, in elementary general music they're taught you know, if they're on the treble clef staff, yeah. that's an F. You know, but not necessarily the relationship of it's higher. It's Yeah, right. F, yeah right. right. Or that one's a C. Yeah. Okay, and then you get the xylophone players who are in there. They'll play a C, but you don't know which octave it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and funny. Got to straighten that out.
0: Yeah. Well, um, we're we're kind of wrapping up here. Uh, do you got one more uh, kind of really crazy? uh Crazy student story, or a really really fun
1: gig that you got to play, or a really crazy moment in the in your music career. Oh wow! Well, let's see. Um, I do remember this one gig that jazzers would appreciate this, but um, it was a call to play a, a quartet thing at what then was the Hyatt Hotel, mm-hmm. um, and it was we were supposed to be the warm up group for a dance band that was mm-hmm. going to play later. We, we could play whatever we wanted, but as long as it was at low volume level, it was supposed to be, you know, background music. And so we set up and um, as we were finishing up our set, I looked over to where the setup was for the dance band <laughs> I started thinking a little bit and it turned out that the dance band we were warming up for was the Count Basie Orchestra. <laughs> so we stayed around. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: We <laughs> accidentally stayed. Yeah,
1: accidentally stayed for a couple hours and enjoyed that. It was oh, a wow amazing gig. Oh wow. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, wow. That that'd be that'd be something to see. What what, what so that was what what was
1: that then like 80s or 90s or um, it probably would have been, it was after Count Basie had died, Sure. Um, and I think, I think Frank Foster was leading them, I don't, I yeah, that's alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's okay, yeah, yeah, but it was 80s or 90s for sure, for
0: sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so, probably maybe, maybe one or two of his original members still in the band, I would guess, and not not all, though. Not not all, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, not original, but from when he was still leading, yeah, there were some of the players there. One of the trombone players didn't even open the book. It was all memorized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure, for
0: 30 years, you know, yeah. playing, his, playing his tunes. And, uh, yeah, well, um, definitely I was, uh, I really appreciate uh, even those couple of couple of weeks we had at the at the uh
1: that was, was fun yeah
0: it was fun eh? and that was my first like I would taken a class or two in college you know and done uh done quite a bit of improv before that like rock you know jam we had like mm-hmm. a fish kind of band you know jam oh, yeah. band in, yeah. uh, in college so we did quite a bit of improvising but I'd never like done changes and like I'd never really gotten any like jazz training really and so that was my first you know kind of uh And obviously we'd gotten a ton of theory in college, you know, so I had some prerequisite to that kind of stuff, but definitely that was that couple weeks was one of, one of many, you know, little moments of definitely being in the scene too up here for myself is that I'd never really done jazz, but being in Kansas city and getting to watch, um, you know, Everett, Matt Hopper and like (laughs) Rod and, you know, Lonnie and all these, you know, all these great players we have up here and, and, listening to them play, and uh, it's just been a great experience to move up here to Kansas City and meet so many good, so many good, especially jazz players up here, which is it's pretty it's insane.
1: A great place for, uh, you know, Kansas City has such a rich jazz heritage, and so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I'm glad you, you've you enjoyed your time here, and uh, you know, I, I think that the music scene keeps moving forward. Mm-hmm more and more strings, you see more and more strings. There's a lot
0: of violin players around right now, not even in the jazz scene, but just gigging right now. There's there's quite a few of us, and there wasn't a couple of years ago. Yeah, it I really did. was me and Marvin and, you know.
1: Well, when you were of, in that and, combo. It was yeah, of, right, yeah. And you, you uh, I don't remember if you brought a, you had a viola with you, didn't you? Or was it a violin? I
0: probably had a viola, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, but yeah, it was the, the same kind of thing. And, and definitely uh, thinking out some of those like bowings and stuff. There's just all sorts of random things for each instrument that you got to deal with. And mm-hmm. definitely for somebody like myself, is I'm sure maybe flute players would deal with this, where you don't see it. You see a lot in Latin kind of stuff, but you just don't see flute a ton in jazz. So there's like this whole other thing that you kind of got to yeah. got to deal with of uh, what what would be good with this. Like how do I you know do I do X Y and Z and make this sound good and
1: yeah, the articulations and accents. You mm. know, That's the articulations, the Boeing. for you, the bowings, but yeah. for us trying to get those legato connections and the accents mm. and, you know, how short is a short note? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, all those stylistic things. Clint said something interesting um, back down the line, and he said, he was talking to me, but he said, Something to the effect of he can tell which guys have been steeped in Kansas City jazz and mm-hmm. which guys have not. I mean, yeah. and it, that's not a cut for the people who aren't because there are many, many styles oh, of jazz yeah. that are wonderful. Say, yeah. He'll say he, he can listen to people and tell, uh oh, Kansas City influenced or, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, someplace else.
0: Yeah. And that's really neat that we kind of do have our sound. I mean, definitely like, I would say, like, the people in this town are really really good at like medium swing like we tear the crap out of that you know like and it maybe yeah. maybe in some other cities it wouldn't quite feel the same you know I mean that, that like you know that just medium swing stuff I mean we that Matt said this Matt Hopper went down to Brazil and he went to go play with some guys and what was so funny is they wanted to play swing and he's like no 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 screw that I want to play you guys as <laughs> Latin and he was he went down there and he's just like He's like, dude, I was on a cloud, you know. I mean, they were just and their their gem and stuff was just like, I mean, it was just smooth as butter. Like he didn't even know what to do. He's just like, you guys are so insane at Boston. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And I and I bet when they when you know people when those kind of guys come up to Kansas City, they're like, oh my God, you guys like tear the crap out of swing, you know, and like and that's so neat that other Wichita ain't like that. Wichita doesn't have a swing, like, history, you know, with it. They're more of a rock, maybe even bluegrass kind of a Mm -hmm. scene, you know, and they, they, so... So
1: to gig there, you gotta have uh, different skills.
0: Yeah, you just gotta have different skills, so... Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Well, um, anyway, we got uh, uh, Doug Talley. Thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, So... Um, teaching and playing in town, come, come check him out all over town. And, uh, and that's the, uh, that's the end of the show. All right. Get out of here. We'll see you next time.